Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone, it's the Aussie Queens here on Silent Podcasts. I'm Sarah Carradine, and joining me on this romantic river rafting ride, it's Annabelle Fiddler. Hello, Annabelle. Hi, Sarah. We've just all worked so hard and we've given so much, and I just felt like we all really deserved to be here. Oh, absolutely. Deserve is the only word to describe us. <laughs> We're here for the right <laughs> reasons, right? We're here for the right reasons. Now, your Aussie queens have given you everything you need to know about the Amazing Race Australia Celebrity Edition, but there is so much more to find out about Amazing Race World. And with us is the perfect PhD of TAR, the guru energy drink of Amazing Race coverage, the regent of Root Info, the Duchess of Detours, the rebel of roadblocks, the U-Butte of U-Turns, the Prime Minister of Pit Stops. Yes, it is the incredible, the one and only Jessica Lees. Hey, Jess, welcome to Aussie Queens. That was the best intro I've ever gotten, Sarah. Can you come do that on the regular podcast on Rob's podcast? Like, can I just bring you to do the intros? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Anything you want. Rob typically just says I'm the senior Amazing Race correspondent, which is mostly just to placate me because... We have three people on the podcast and we didn't always, but you is know. he calling you old? He's calling me old. I he's older than me by almost a full year. So mm, you know, it's I'm not the senior person on the podcast. <laughs> well, Jess, I'm so stoked you're here. I think I've listened to you recap more episodes of the Amazing Race than I have watched episodes of the Amazing <laughs> Race. So stoked. <laughs> It's funny. There's a, I think that's kind of a running theme with things I podcast about. There's a lot of people that are like, I don't want to watch this anymore, but I don't want to not know what happens. So I, I get that for Walking Dead a lot too, weirdly enough. But Oh, yes, yes. I, I fell away a long time ago, but the podcast is so entertaining. And I think the same, I do actually watch Tough as Nails, but if I if I miss half a season, I think, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll catch up. So uh, everybody within the sound of my voice, Jess is a fabulous follow on all the podcasting <laughs> that she does. So Amazing Race plunges on. Before the current season of Amazing Race Prime has even finished, Phil announced the dates for season 36 coming March 13th, 2024, which shockingly is like four months away. <laughs> uh, Jess, is this the season which filmed 34? fifth and got got pushed that is that is right sarah um they filmed it several months before the season that is currently airing and what happened was the strike happened and cbs had a bunch of time to fill on their schedule for the fall and they made the order that they needed 90 minute episodes of both survivor and amazing race but since they had this season already in the can 
and they were about to film a new one, they decided we're going to restructure this race so that we can make 90 minute episodes more easily. Of course, we're still having 90 minute episodes in the spring. So I don't know how they're going to fill that time, but I think it was the right call to kind of have a little bit more there, there to work on this season for the fall. Um, I think it's starting to finally pay off. I think we, it's a mixed, we've got, we've got mixed reviews about the 90 minute episodes for amazing race 35. And I would say, I don't disagree. I think we need to, it's going to be a big challenge. I'm a little bit worried, honestly, for what we're going to see in the spring with this like legacy season that they're going to pad out to reach that 90 minute mark. So does that mean that there will be less roadblocks and detours and just kind of fill it with character moments? I'm assuming yes. I, I'm assuming oh, that's dear. the case. Yeah, I'm a little a little worried um, because, you know, I, I think we really do feel that, especially in the early episodes of this season, we really felt like you need to be doing one more thing. You need to be going to one more place. And I... I don't want to spend 20 minutes watching people like go through a corn maze looking for a trinket. I don't know what they're going to do. I, yes. I haven't been spoiled. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yes. That that's concerning. I mean, 90 minutes when you've crafted it as 90 minutes is one thing. And I think the survivor 45, 90 minutes has been very well received. I think, Less they're finding their feet a little bit with Amazing Race 35. It's sometimes it's a it's it feels like a long 90 minutes, but at least it was planned to be crafted in that way. I'm very worried about you know, in, in the can, we don't know how far the editing process of what is going to be season 36 has gone, but to go back and find bits that you curated out of it and curate them back into it. With no more material, uh, I think is it could be concerning, but we're going to hold our opinions until we see it, and then we will have plenty of opinions. <laughs> and speaking That's why of opinions, you podcast. yes, exactly. <laughs> we just we get on the mic and we just we just say things. It's it's sort of wonderful. What a great job! Mm-hmm. Um, just what are your overall thoughts on the Amazing Race Australia Celebrity Edition? It's certainly been a surprise to us, but how has it struck you? Well, it's been interesting to me as someone who is not Australian um, because there are, I had heard of like three and a half of these people. And so to me, it's almost like just watching a regular season of Amazing Race. Um, But it seems interesting to me to watch them like they all know who each other is, which is which is a little bit entertaining, but I always, I find that Amazing Race Australia in general is a little bit more loosey-goosey and a little bit more bonkers than Amazing Race US. And what's really funny is I'm usually the one on the podcast explaining Amazing Race Australia to other people. So this is an interesting role reversal because I'm sure the two of you know way more than I do. Um, I think it was... You would never see an American season of any reality show with an ending like the ending we got in Amazing Race Australia. Did I you think, not like it? I, I think it's I think it's hilarious. I don't know if I like it. I think the fact that they were that they were competing for charity, I think that 
that softens it. Like, I don't think you'd, I don't even think in Australia you'd see people do that if it was money that they were getting. But I do think the fact that they all are competing for a good cause, they, they clearly, it was like, well, it's not, you know, they don't care about the bragging rates. I thought that was, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, Logan, the TAR historian, who does excellent work and has a great blog, if anyone wants to go over there and follow him, he says that he's handling the stats as first, second and third for Darren and Tristan, Emma and Haley, and Angie and Ali. And when we spoke about that, Annabelle, last week, we vociferously (laughs) were determined that they were all first equal. Just... Is it ceremonial this tie or is it real? <laughs> I, I that's for them to figure out. I I I honestly I don't think there's any actual merit to saying you know like like why do we need to? They've they've decided they don't need it. Why do we need to quantify it like that? And you know, you could go you could go all day like deciding like who we think should be the official quote unquote winner, but if they don't care, why should we honestly? And if the show is happy with it, I'm happy with it. I was listening to an exit interview with Darren and he said that ahead of that leg, because it was something they were planning to do. He called his charity to clear it with them. Would it be okay if you only got a third of the money? And he called an executive at Channel 10, actually, and to find out whether or not there would be any legal issues around splitting the money. And so I believe that's what they've done. They've split the money three ways. They're all joint first. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And they're joint first as far as I'm concerned, because the question, how do you find out who won the amazing race? Well, it's the first team to step on the mat in the finale, and they all stepped on the mat first. So, yes, I think that there's a question to be asked, which we we floated last week, which is, <laughs> had Harry and Teddy been in the finale, uh, whether that would have changed Darren and Tristan's decision? I mean, I think you certainly can't. Well, you could. You can do whatever you want. But I don't think you can say, well, the two of us teams are first. What do you think about these kind of rivalries that can come up in The Amazing Race, which are kind of meaningless? Because while alliances do have an effect and friendships do have an effect, what does having this kind of imaginary rivalry between the two male-male teams that ended up in the the, the uh, in the final four, what effect does that have on you? I would have thought it would be distracting. You know, on a show like Survivor, where you can gun for each other actively and where you have some influence on who is going to get eliminated, I think that plays a lot more effectively. And, of course, we've had some great rivalries on Amazing Race over the years, but I honestly think it's kind of not worth your time to foment some kind of like big head-to-head rivalry. I, I I do agree with you. I think if they had been in it, it would have been a different story. I think that would have been a harder sell to get them to cross the finish line with their quote-unquote rivals. But, you know, I think specifically speaking, um, okay, I'll just say Harry is one of the contestants that I was familiar with going into this season because I was a too hot to handle viewer. And um, 
this is a guy that likes to be on reality TV. He's got another appearance already under his belt at this at the time of this podcast. Um, and he's going to be one of these people that we're not going to be able to get him off of reality TV. And I see, I see him as kind of a little more calculated in terms of like, what is this going to do for my Q rating? Like, how is this affecting me? And I, I honestly, I don't know that you could have sold him on make this a three-way tie. Oh, that's interesting because I thought of it from from Darren and Tristan's point of view, but well, uh, yeah, and Annabelle thinking about it from the Stallions' point of view, would would Harry have uh, countenanced it, or would he have felt it was a, you know, he was being um, slightly patronised? Yeah, well, so. there's that but, too. I think we got to talk about Darren a lot because th- that was an interesting team for sure. Let's not forget though, this is also a major PR tour for Teddy. You may not be aware of this, Jess, but Teddy came on the Amazing Race Celebrity Edition off the back of a very public scandal where he's been busted scamming people via his <laughs> dodgy Instagram business. So oh, do- I, I, I need every detail of this. I need to know everything. <laughs> well, first of all, I... I kind of argue in favor of Teddy here because if you're taking business advice from Teddy, you deserve to get scammed. <laughs> so he's been selling this lifestyle where he you pay Teddy 10,000 Australian dollars and he will set you up a website which is guaranteed to make you incredibly wealthy. And then, as you can imagine, any website sanctioned by Teddy, they were full of typos, looked super unprofessional, (laughs) massive disaster. And it's been very public. You know, you're right about this, though. If somebody is dumb enough and rich enough to give this man money, more power to him. I don't know how this is different from every person coming off of reality TV to become an influencer. Like, you know, those, those, wellness shakes that are supposed to make you thin this is exactly the same thing it's just on a grander scale so good for him and with some mapsidents along the way making <laughs> oh business advice from teddy just the thought of it is so ludicrous wow i mean he was on love island it, oh sure tell me all about you know how i should run my business that is brass uh, balls there yes yes he, he probably has those as well He'll sell them to you for $10,000. Let's talk a little more about Darren. It's very hard to talk about this season without talking about him, not just because he was one of the three winning teams, but he was very present. I mean, poor Annabelle had her childhood uh, crushed, just crushed. Yes, she's, <laughs> she's crying even now. So we got a question from a listener. What's the deal with help from locals? So we saw Darren get assistance on the Mahjong Tile task, on the fish preparation, and then most spectacularly and very amusingly by recruiting eight people in a family, two parents, six children, Zachary, who kept getting lost, from the train to the final pit stop. Uh, amusingly, that family didn't actually know where the final pit stop was after having promised that they did. But what are these rules about getting local help? I mean, we often see teams asking for directions and so on. Is there a rule in Amazing Race US that you can't do that? Uh, And if there is an Amazing Race AU, was it loosened 
for the celebrity edition or because it was Darren. I mean, it was highly amusing and made good television. So it's very hard to think of producers shutting down something that would make good television. But what's that rule about help from locals, Jess? Um, well, it's a rule that has evolved over time, at least when it comes to U.S. Amazing Race. Because in the early seasons, like, you know, we're going back like 15, 20 years at this point, which, you know, because... I'm extremely old. Um, they had they used to call them, uh, thanks to the Television Without Pity message boards, uh, which was the early kind of meeting place for fans of Amazing Race US back in the day. They called these people ferns after a young woman in season two of the US version who helped a team. She basically got in the cab with them and took them around to every place they needed to go all day. And her name was Fern. And so they called these people Ferns. And for probably the first eight or nine seasons, like maybe even up until All Stars in season 11, you were allowed to get the locals to help you however they wanted to help you. And obviously, it's very exciting if Amazing Race comes to your town and you are available why wouldn't you help them out? Um, and I think there they have kind of locked this down a lot gradually over the years because it kind of became this thing where you'd like adopt this third member of your team. And that person was really doing most of the work that they relied on you to do. And so now I think the rule is you can get directions from somebody on the street, but you are not allowed to do much more than that. And especially in the in the age of phones, like everybody can help you. Like it is a level playing field. You're not going to adopt a random local expert who's going to make the way clearer for you. And there are other things that people used to do to get help from locals that they're not allowed to do anymore. For example, you're not allowed to, if you are driving yourself, you are not allowed to pay a taxi driver to drive somewhere so that you can follow them is another thing you're not allowed to do anymore. Um, and I assume like having, I, I would assume that the rules for this celebrity edition of Amazing Race Australia would have been slightly different because these people would have been at least somewhat recognizable. I think they are, most of them are very Australia famous. Um, but I would imagine that, they couldn't police that quite as quite as well. Like people are going to come up to them and we haven't had people on amazing race us that are that level of famous probably since the social media influencer season where like they, they cracked down on that one as well. Like you were, you could see people coming up to these people and recognizing them and wanting to help them. And there was kind of a limit to what they were allowed to do. So that's, that's a big difference. I, I think the rules I think the rules are, I've not seen on any of the non-celebrity editions of Australia, I've not seen that level of local involvement, but I don't, that doesn't mean that it didn't happen or it doesn't mean that they told them they couldn't do it. It could also be an effect of like, we've seen what people do on other editions of Amazing Race. And so we're going to follow that mold. Yes, or they didn't sign the release. I'll help you, but that's true. This was sign the release. Yeah, this was something that I heard actually from an Amazing Race Canada contestant told me this that one of the things that one of the things in their 
back pocket that that was helping them as racers was before they talked to anybody out on the street, the first thing they did was get them to sign the release. Then they got what they needed. And then that way they didn't have to fumble with the release once they knew where they were going and what they needed to do. I thought that was an interesting point that that's something you'd never see on the air. So I, I thought that was that that's kind of a clever fourth wall breaking thing. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because if someone didn't care to to be on camera, you can move on and ask the next person. Right, and you yeah. don't have to you don't have to go through the whole thing of getting what you need and then the show not being able to use it. Um, you've already ascertained like if somebody's going to shut you out, you know right away they're going to shut you out. Mm-hmm. Sean Bryan wanted to know: Were you surprised when the tasks weren't watered down or made easier for the celebs? And what did you think of the tasks overall? I mean, it was certainly something that Annabelle and I noted. Um, I've watched maybe a bit more uh, Amazing Race than than Annabelle has, but these were like proper, real, tough Amazing Race tasks, and we saw it affect the races. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it was solid. And I liked, I liked the variety. I, I honestly, I think the variety of tasks outshone what we've seen in recent North American editions of Amazing Race. Like you had them calling on a lot of different skill sets, which, you know, I think it's not like, it's not like Celebrity Jeopardy, which um, they do somewhat dumbed down, um, even though if you're going on Celebrity Jeopardy, you still have to pass the same test. And I think I think this is kind of an analog. There's not a test to get on Amazing Race, but there is a certain baseline level of fitness and, you know, open-mindedness and interest in being on the show that I don't think being a celebrity would make that necessarily harder for you. I, I think all these people were as qualified as a civilian to go on this show, so why would you dumb it down? I kind of had a follow-up question on this, Jess. So Salty Darren was (laughs) suggesting in his exit interview that the reason there were so many dance challenges and kind of non-physical carrying and running challenges was because the producers were trying to manufacture an all-female team to win. Obviously, we hate Darren and he's totally incorrect, (laughs) but... Are there usually more running and carrying activities or did the kind of dancing and little fiddly things seem completely in line with what we would expect? I mean, certainly they're in line with um, like an Amazing Race Canada. There is a dance task like every other leg. Um, and honestly, I like, okay, it's we all we all agree that that's a garbage take, that it was like a gender thing. But I think it's completely fair that the tasks don't just rely on you to be brute force. Like The race should ask you to do a lot of different things. Like you should have to solve puzzles. You should have to follow instructions. You should be able to do dance steps. You should be able to eat a gross thing. You should yeah. be able to do all of these things. And the wider variety of tasks you have, the more likely someone is to get tripped up where if it's all carry a heavy thing, the people that carry the heavy things are going to come out on top. And like, I'm sorry, dude, that the thing you're good at is not the thing they gave you more of. But, you know, if you if you phrase it like that, you know, that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit more accurate. Like, I, you know, I, I, I could sit here and say, 
I wish the Amazing Race had more raw trivia questions because that's the thing I'm good at, and I would win if I got that. So, you know, that's not the that's not the show it is. And what are you complaining about? You arrived first at the end of the finale. <laughs> yeah, dude, come on. Yeah, I, I don't know what he thought should have been different about that, unless he was just salty that there were that there were women on the mat with him, like sharing in his glory. I think he was extra smug that not only was production conspiring against him to secure an all-women team winning, but he still managed to win. I mean, glorious, incredible. Get to the mat area first. He didn't win. Yeah, apparently some people think that's a technical win, but... <laughs> not you know, I. Yeah. And I, I think the teams that we got... I like that it wasn't all the same people because there were there's a big stretch of Amazing Grace history where the same type of team won every season for a very long time. And, you know, there was not a female winner of Amazing Race Australia for a very, very long time. And that's not because women are bad at racing. So yes, I, absolutely true. I, I, they're, I, they're I like, not. Yeah. <laughs> they're not bad at racing, as 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 we have seen demonstrated. I mean, one of the things I loved about Angie and Ali is they're you know setting off for the finale, and they say to each other, "Did you think we would be here in the top three? And often we'll hear teams say, "I always knew, I always knew that." Uh, and they're lovely because they say to each other, you know, no. <laughs> no way did I think I would do it. So it's an it's an older woman and her daughter, um, and although she's been a, an inter, a national champion athlete, uh, she has some some physical issues now, and they just I'm just delighted by the fact that they they really didn't think that they were going to get there. They were setting off, and I think for a lot of the celebrities, I mean, for example, the Stallions. They've brought attention to their charity and as each one, particularly as, as the uh, episodes go on, as each one of the teams is eliminated, there's a focus on their charity, which is one of your two things. One, you want to win money for your charity, but, you know, only one team's going to do it, so you think. Um, but the other is to bring attention to the charity. So we haven't seen an Angie and Ali get to a final three. We've seldom seen an Emma and Haley get to a final three. We've often seen a Teddy and Harry. Darren and Tristan, while, you know, being two men and two fit men, it's still an older man and a younger man. Just because he's, you know, unpleasant doesn't mean that we've seen a lot of him. Did you see any analogues to other teams in these three, Canadian or US? Well, I think first of all, we've never had um we've never had a mom win the amazing race, which is like across any of the seasons. Oh, I had no idea. That's why we have you on the show. I, I mean, didn't realize. There, it's possible. Like there are some editions that I haven't seen, but of all the ones that I know of, the, there's never been a mom. There's been father-son teams. Yes. But there, I've never seen, you know, I've never seen mother and daughter get this far. And that's really exciting to me. Um, but I, I think, I mean, I really love that we had a, we had an actual wiggle on the race. That mm. makes me happy. And the, the, there's definitely a lot of teams, like that's an archetype of the sort of like more whimsical, 
you know, maybe even a little bit, like, I don't think snarky is the word, but I think funny, like entertaining. They reminded me of team fun very much. That idea yeah. of they were, they were trying very hard at the tasks. They weren't being, you know, they weren't throwing off at the tasks, but they were light and funny mm-hmm. and they were having a good time. Yeah. They were having a good time and therefore we did too. Yeah. And their Brooke race. And Claire their- is another team that I would, yes. that reminded me of them. I just love their race walk. There was one where the amazing editors were trying to persuade us that it was a foot race between the Stallions and the Wiggles. I mean, clearly it wasn't because we used the JL rule. If you don't see them in the same frame, Mm -hmm. it's not close. But uh, the boys are kind of running along like athletes. (laughs) And Emma and Haley are race walking with their skirts (laughs) over shorts and their floppy hats. And I thought, oh, I love you so much. And speaking of them, I wanted to talk, um, sort of rush to the finale and talk about this uh, final memory task. They were in a good position uh, as they came into the memory task because they had absolutely killed the dance task and they fell down on the memory task, which is very surprising because we had seen them being great at crafts. We had seen them memorising a shrine which they could make. We'd seen them dancing. We'd actually seen them being physical. Uh, we'd seen them paddling. We'd, they, they seemed so all round. And for them to come to the final memory task, which, you know, it seems every amazing race does, comes down to flags or lighthouses or, in this case, the photographs of the places you've been, and they were completely undone by it. And we had never seen them before. We noted this last week, Annabelle, we'd never seen them express any negative uh, emotion and to see them so brought down that they felt, not arrogantly, but they felt they had the race in their hand. And to push that button over and over again and get the red light, incorrect, incorrect, incorrect. And although Darren and Tristan didn't do it particularly fast, they certainly got in there after the Wiggles and out of there before the Wiggles and the next thing is the pit stop. Do we often see this memory task undoing the leading team in a finale? Not as much as I'd like, honestly. I I think that makes it very exciting. But it's it's actually, it's become kind of less common that, the, that it's the default to have a memory task in the final leg. Um, it's certainly it's something that they do more often in Canada, um, but it's it was something I think for a long time people just expected it was going to be a thing, so they found ways to break it. Like if you don't know that's happening, you're not going to take notes, and you're not going to be paying attention, like trying to find the details. Um, like there were there were many years where there would be a memory task based around like something the greeter was wearing or something the greeter said there was one where you had to learn the greeting in the local language in all the places they visited and only one team thought to write it down and that was the team that ended up winning completely improbably um i think that i think it's a nice beat to have it there and it's something in the most in the last year's version of Amazing Race Canada, there was a very complicated memory task where all the teams were working on it at once. And there was one thing they were all getting wrong consistently mm. until finally the one team that figured it out, that was the thing that was the difference between winning and losing. Was that and, the, the, the task in the library with the putting yeah, things in? Oh, 
Yeah. And there was one thing that was a little bit misleading in the wording and people kept getting it wrong until one team figured it out. It was like, it came down to that one thing. It was very exciting to watch. Um, but I think it's also, it's a nice, it's a nice way to recap everywhere that you've been. Mm. And to kind of tie it all together, it's like, yeah, we really did all of these things. Um, and the worst is when they have that, but they're so spread out that it doesn't matter and that you never see like the people working alongside each other to try to be the first ones to crack it. Um, it's less effective in that case. But, yeah, but, but of course here we saw all yeah. of them at the same time, although um, Emma and Haley had had a, had had a head start. I mean, Anna, we saw uh, Tristan getting out his notes in the cab and Annabelle, I didn't notice it, but you noticed he actually had the notes at the task, mm. which I don't know what the rules are for that. And it was that true. This is where them arriving first in the mat area seems right because it was a true team effort in that Tristan had everything written down and Darren was the one whose visual memory allowed him to select, you know, as we know that there were were 10 places to put a photograph and there were 20 photographs. And he noticed that the lanterns were a mixed colour and they should have been red. I mean, Annabelle, you were the one that saw those notes there. Were you surprised that that he was allowed to have them? I kind of, once you told me that, that he'd had, had the notes, I was surprised because I thought they weren't allowed to take the notes with them. There seemed to be a mix as well throughout the race. I mean, there were other times where they were allowed to take notes and then have their notes when they had to do the memory portion. So I, as a complete, you know, newbie to the amazing race, I was also just unclear on what the rules are with that. Typically the rules are that you are not allowed to have your notes. Like you are allowed to take as many notes as you want. And it was even in this week's episode of amazing race us, it was even a major point where one of the teams dropped their notebook that had all of their information in it. And they went back and got it and dropped a place in the rankings because it was that important that they needed to keep that. Um, but it's basically, it's like, this is your reference guide until you get to that task. And then you are not allowed to take it out again. That has been the case for, I would say, at least ten years. Okay. Yes, that's what I thought. But you know, we saw we 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 saw them uh, taking notes on the mask. You know, finding the masks mm-hmm. and putting them in the right order. Uh, challenge, and they they had their notes then at the board where they were trying to recreate it, and still it was a very difficult task. So I thought, well, again, this is good television. Even though they've got their notes with them, they were allowed to take notes and they're allowed to hold them. It still was a very tricky task with the memories. And I think, too, for a celebrity edition of a reality show, we did see, Annabelle, the race take its toll on our races, you know, physically, mentally, uh, one might even say emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. You could tell that people were at breaking point as we got towards the last few legs. Angie was really suffering with her back. Teddy and Harry stopped smiling about halfway through. Darren was grumpy from day one. So yeah. who knows what was really going on with him. But yeah, no doubt it was it was suffering. Jess, I have a question about the location. So, you know, in that final challenge, we're doing a little reflection on all the places they'd been. When I imagine the amazing race, I imagine them 
jet setting all over the world, going to lots of different places. In this season, they only went really to a handful of countries. They started in India. They also went to Cambodia. They were in Malaysia a couple of times in the Malaysian part of Borneo, but we really stuck to the Asian continent and only a, a small handful of countries within it. Is that standard in America? Do you just go to a handful of places in South America? Um, for the American version of Amazing Race, it is almost always billed as a race around the world. So you start in North America and you go to at least three continents and you wind up back in America. But that's not been true every time. There was one season that we don't really talk about because it was not Ooh. a successful experiment. Um, we had the family edition, which had teams of four, which was already weird. And they gave them like a motorhome to drive. And they drove and it, they stuck to, they went to Costa Rica and Canada. But other than that, they were pretty much like, North. they were pretty much continental United States um, exclusively. And that part of that was like, they had actual children on this. It was, it, they never did it again for good reason, but they kept that one pretty close to home. Um, but typically Amazing Race US is going to go to many countries and visit, I, I think that it's a minimum of three continents, but there are other additions that do not do this. Um, in fact, I would venture to say that almost every other iteration of Amazing Race across the different global editions um, is a little bit more limited in its scope. Like we had Amazing Race Asia was very, it was like specific to Asia for most of its run. Um, Amazing Race Latin America, same thing. They were restricted to Latin America. There was one season of Amazing Race Latin America that was entirely within Ecuador. And you have Vietnam and Philippines also kind of stick to Southeast Asia primarily. And Canada used to go to like one or two other countries over the course of the season, but now they have kind of gone back to, we're going to make this a very Canadian show. And I think that is a smart move specifically for them because they are trying to differentiate themselves from Amazing Race US. They don't just want it to be Amazing Race, but with Canadians. They really want it to be a portrait of the country and showcase all the things that Canada has to offer to mixed degrees of success. Sometimes like the one that my Amazing Race Canada co-host Dan Heaton always goes back to is um, they went to a trampoline park in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, yes. which is like that does not need to be on the Amazing Race. That's, yes. you know, in the same season where they went to India they don't need to also go to a trampoline park in Saskatchewan. Um, but yeah, it is more typical of U.S. Amazing Race to make it a global adventure. And also Australia has historically been, which you well know, has historically been a more global situation, like basically just an Amazing Race U.S. clone with Australians. But they've differentiated as well. Um, there was, of course, the post-pandemic season where they didn't leave Australia which I loved. I thought it was hilarious and complicated and great. Um, but there's also, I think with something like this, there's a lot of logistics, especially with celebrities. They probably had a tighter schedule to film on. They don't want to necessarily make it a whole global affair. I mean, we speculated about 
that when we were talking about the final pit stop not being back in the country of origin, which in my mind is unusual, mm-hmm. but we we wondered about the idea. Normally all the other teams are there to cheer you in, but these celebrities presumably are hither and yon back to their celebrity lives and can't be corralled again. So is it better to have the sort of the excited locals at at this uh, outside outside Australia pit stop. Sean Bryan thought it was to avoid spoilers, but I I actually I liked it very much, and and it wasn't something I particularly thought of. Annabelle, till you and I talked about, well, maybe it's because it would be hard to reassemble the teams again, uh, being as how they are, as we know, celebrities. Um, as we start to wind up, where should a newbie self confessed like mm-hmm. Annabelle and some of our listeners, where should they go next with The Amazing Race? What US and Canadian and other seasons would you recommend? Um, well, you really cannot go wrong with Amazing Race Canada, especially if you're interested in Canada. Um, I would say the second season of Amazing Race Canada is a particular highlight. It's got a surprising, it's got a surprisingly interesting cast. They do a lot of very inexplicable ways to break the game which i found entertaining and there's a very famous scene in amazing race canada season two where there is a team of olympic gold medalist hockey players that spend hours repeatedly failing at the simplest hockey challenge oh no (laughs) and we refer to this now as a five hole in other words if you do something for a living or like you are most well known for being very good at a thing. And then that thing is a task on your season of amazing race and you fail at it. That is called a five hole. Um, so that's, that's one place to start. I would say with the U S um, the early seasons, they're a different pace and different, a different sort of feel to them. But um, we like season five and seven are two of our favorites and um, in the newer seasons, I think 32 and 33 are great. Some of the more recent ones that have been interesting, I think there was a season quite recently with all reality stars, which you wouldn't necessarily know who the people are, but they were all like on US CBS reality shows. There were Big Brother people and Survivor people and Amazing Race people. And that was a very entertaining season really good tasks and good personalities. Cause of course these people have been vetted. They've already been on TV. Um, that's a great one. Like even if you have no clue who any of the people are, it's kind of like payback for me watching amazing race, Australia celebrity edition. Um, Jess, please. I live on a diet of American reality TV. <laughs> I think I remember when that was on Chris and Brett were on that. I guess need to go yes. and watch that one. I need to go and watch that one. Yeah. That one was great. Chris and Brett were like, vastly more entertaining than they ever were on survivor a hundred percent of the mid seasons i don't know what we count as mid but um i would say i i really like 13 i like 17 is one of my top five and then uh 23 is a sentimental favorite for me so those are the ones i would recommend and of course the if somebody out in the world says what season of amazing race would you recommend to somebody who has access to all the international versions? Where would you start them? 
the one I'd I'd say is Amazing Race Australia season two in the Grant Bowler universe. Um, it was by far the, one of the best things to ever happen to Amazing Race. Like just start start to finish, it was entertaining. It was fun. It was great teams, great locations. Um, but I'm sure you have already seen that, so I don't need to recommend it to you. <laughs> but some of our listeners, not so much. Uh, and my last question is, how good is Bo? Poe is so fun. I, I once I I made a post once about like ranking the different international amazing race hosts by can they hang? And Bo Ryan is the kind of guy that I feel like you're at the pit stop, you're in your pit stop hotel room, you're trying to sleep and get ready for the next leg. I feel like Bo Ryan's gonna come pounding on your door, be like, get down to the bar in 10 minutes. We are drinking tonight. Um <laughs> He just like he's up for anything. He's really funny, and he like, there's zero gravitas to him whatsoever. Mm. Mm. <laughs> he, know, he knows who he is, and we've watched him get better and better. I mean, yeah. he's still got the awkward banter, which we love. But he and John seem to absolutely love doing the tasks. Yeah, and I noticed that I sent you a message uh, several weeks ago saying, "Oh." Uh, just a heads up, you're about to see Bo in a dick sticker, which just like, absolutely <laughs> delighted me. But I like that about both of them. They're so enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, sportsmen who have come through to this kind of hosting role don't mind looking ridiculous and will actually do the tasks. I mean, he he addressed a spider, not that he ate it, but he at mm-hmm. least eyeballed it. John Montgomery would have eaten it. Um, yeah. But... I, I think my favorite Bo Ryan moment of all time was when he got COVID and continued, like they got a proxy for him on the mat, but they continued to like cut to him sequestered in his hotel room, like getting room service and commenting on what was going on. I thought that was just an absolutely hilarious way of dealing with what was going on um, at the time. So I, I really appreciate he's really, he's really up for anything. And he's he has like like John Montgomery started out a little bit unsure, but has really made the role his own over the years. Bo, without a doubt, can hang. The real question is, <laughs> do you have the endurance to hang with Bo? I do yeah. not. <laughs> I do not think I can hang. No, no, no. And more, and more in the like the Phil Kogan realm of I will come down to the bar while you are drinking. I will buy a round for everyone, and then I will peace out and leave you to it. Yes, yes. So Jess, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on to Aussie Queens. You are now an honorary Aussie Queen. We're going to have to have you Amazing. back on every season that we talk about <laughs> to fill us in with all this fantastic knowledge. Uh, what do you have going on elsewhere, and where can the people find you? Oh uh, well. Amazing Race US is in full swing. And of course, over on Rob's podcast, um, Rob Sesternino and Mike Bloom and I talk about it every week. And then Rob and I interview the teams that were most recently eliminated. So we have that going on uh, for several more weeks. And it's been very fun so far. And then over on Post Show Recaps, I have one episode left, one podcast left, two episodes left of Fear the Walking Dead which I deserve a medal and anybody that stuck with us this long also deserves a medal because that show is that's, 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 that should be an amazing race task. Like people would take the penalty. It, Mm -hmm. the show is an ordeal and we are almost to the end of that ordeal. And um, 
we have a great time talking about it though it is at least fun bad most of the time and then the walking dead universe has many more spin-offs to come and we recap all of them on the same channel over on post show recaps fantastic annabelle what about you where can the people find you and what do you have going on you can find me with Chili Philly over on Babes on the Brink, where we are covering the Traitors Canada. Uh, absolutely fantastic. We're seven episodes in, and we were really lucky this week to be joined by Dylan Reeve from the Traitors New Zealand. So definitely come and have a look at us there. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Annabelle C.E. You can follow me if that's something you'd like to do at Sarah Carradine on all the things uh, every Tuesday on RHAP Reality TV Rehap Ups. Mari Forth and I will bring you a true crime review on our show, Crime Scene. That's scene, S-E-E-N. Over on Post Show Recaps, I'm covering The Buccaneers with Geneva Guadalupe, Murder at the End of the World with Latonya Starks, and coming up, The Artful Dodger with Brooklyn Z. And our flag means death. Our crew have just dropped our interview with season two costume designer and fellow Aussie queen, Gypsy Taylor. So check that out. That's it for the coverage of the Amazing Race Australia Celebrity Edition for now. Your Aussie queens are going to take next week off and then we're going to be back. We're going to check in on Australian Big Brother House of Love, the season currently showing. Australian viewers can catch up on 7 Plus. Send us your comments and questions if you're watching the show. And hey, even if you're not. Thanks to Isaiah and the team at Silent Podcasts. Until next time, remember read the flame and clue. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.